Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, clarify your message, and make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the word Mercury. Mercury is the Roman god of communication, which includes translators and interpreters, which if you stop to think about it, includes us because we translate and interpret communication all day long. Mercury is also the planet of expression and relationships. And in Chinese astrology, Mercury represents communication, intelligence, and elegance. Mercury is also widely misunderstood, which is why I'm thrilled to introduce my guest, Leslie McGuirk, who is the expert on the subject and wrote the book, The Power of Mercury. Leslie is also an internationally acclaimed astrologer, creativity expert, author and illustrator of beautiful books for children and the most charming line of products for Takashimaya in Japan. And her TED Talk on the importance of being wrong is a must-see. And I'm particularly interested in Leslie's current work, pioneering the intersection between medicine and astrology. There is so much to talk to you about, Leslie. Huge warm hugs. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, I am thrilled. So we communicate in so many ways beyond words, and we're going to get into all of that. But I want to start with just asking you the question, what is the importance of being wrong? So in my life, every single thing from my childhood through my 20s and even into my 30s, every single thing that people told me was wrong about me ended up being the very things that were the best parts about me. So I was told I couldn't draw. I was told I had terrible handwriting. I was told I didn't have any talent. The amount of negative talk that I received was pretty intense, and it was all false. And what I have learned is that the more people come at you about something that's a basic quality of who you are, it probably is giving you a good indication that that quality is probably one of your best assets. And a lot of times people don't know what to do with talented people. And I heard a great quote. Someone said that talent is just liquefied trouble. So people were responding to the liquefied trouble part of me (laughs) rather than the talent part of me. Wow. So that's a classic jumbo miscommunication of a sort. Yes, exactly. Uh, People are often misunderstood, especially very intuitive and very creative people. Because if you're highly creative, it means that whatever you are thinking and doing has never been done before. And that's very scary for people. So being on the leading edge of thought or trying to live an original, authentic life, you're going to get a lot of pushback. And that's what my TED Talk is about how I was completely and utterly squashed and how I took all of that and turned it into something amazing. And I think we all have to be careful of becoming vanilla. And that's a a big problem right now in our culture is that the really creative people who are part of an invisible tribe, we need to gather them together and and help them because creativity is what's going to save us. Explain to me a little bit more about liquid trouble. So when I was a child, everything about me was more heightened. So an an astrologer, when I was 19, looked at my chart, basically saved my life because she said, oh my gosh, Leslie, most people have a wristwatch on their arm and you're walking around with Big Ben. 
she said, look, your parents aren't going to understand this. They love you, but you're not like other people because you're wired to do immense things and you're larger than life. So it's troubling, Barbara, if you have one of these types of charts because people get disturbed by the intensity factor that super creative people tend to have. That's why it's liquefied trouble. This is a nice segue into actually talking about birth or natal charts, because something that you taught me, which has been tremendously valuable, is that it's not about what you read in the newspaper and that on you know Wednesday, a handsome, tall, dark stranger is going to walk into your life. It's this incredible notion that your birth chart is your owner's manual. Yes. So people um, are used to thinking of astrology as horoscopes, which is basically looking in the back of a magazine under your sun sign and reading a prediction for the coming weeks or months. That is not what astrology was designed to do. And in fact, it's not what astrology really is. I'm not even interested in sun signs. That's like saying you're a Mercedes, but I have no idea what color you are. I don't know if you're diesel or gas. I don't know if you're a station wagon or a convertible. So we have to dig a little deeper to understand the true wiring of a human being. And I believe that an astrology chart is basically a map of where all the planets were and in which constellations those planets were located at the moment of birth. So it's sacred geometry and it's electromagnetic harmonics. And we are basically born with a musical score. And my job as an astrologer is to play your musical score for you or tell you how to play it the best way for your life and to try to work with what is rather than fight it. And we all have challenges in our chart. People who have a lot of talent tend to have more difficult charts. That also fits with the liquefied trouble part of it all. So it's it's really an incredibly useful tool that is completely misunderstood because most people are using astrology for fortune telling. And you can slightly predict with things like I predicted the virus before it came. That's not a slight thing. That was a major thing. But basically, we're looking at patterns. And right now, more than ever, people who can see patterns are very, very valuable. And that's the thing that astrology does, both at a global level and also at an individual level. That's actually interesting, too, because right now it's very valuable to be good at statistics, which I think is similar in its way because you're looking for patterns. Yes. That may not be obvious what groups of people are doing, how, how trends emerge, how people are thinking. How does understanding one's natal chart help one communicate better? Well, the most important thing about the planet Mercury, which is the planet of communication and which is why I wrote the book, is because if you can understand the style that your brain uses words, your sense of humor, how you talk to people when you're upset. If you can understand the way you were designed and then you look at the other people in your life and see how they were created, you can then have complete understanding as to why certain people are easier for you to communicate with than others. So for example, I just came back from teaching at Rancho La Puerta, a spa in Mexico, where I've been going for over 21 years as a presenter. And we did a class there where I move people around the room according to their Mercury sign. And there are four styles of Mercury signs. There's fire, earth, air, and water. So you can imagine if you 
talk using fire, you're going to be very direct, very aggressive, and sometimes sharp. If your mercury is in water, which is where mine is, water is softer. Uh, think of the crab. What does it do when it gets scared? It pulls in and it goes in its little hole and then it hides. So when I use words, I'm not overly aggressive. Of course, if somebody pushes me, my little crab pinchers will come out. But in this class in Mexico, here's a perfect example of how astrology in 45 minutes changed a mother and a daughter for life. The mother had Mercury in a fire sign, Sagittarius. Sagittarius is half man, half horse with a bow and arrow with fire on the end. Every time she uses words, she goes bang, 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 bang. She's all about moving through it. She's very direct. And she's not one to kind of do a lot of hand-holding because Mercury fire people, that's just the way they are. Her daughter, meanwhile, had her Mercury sign in Earth. And Earth is all about staying steadfast and kind of sitting with your issue and and wanting to be watered, like wanting to have emotion, like a plant wants to, to be fed in this very gentle way. So the mother had given up talking to her 25-year-old daughter and said, look, I gave up years ago because no matter what I say or do, my daughter is upset with me. And the daughter agreed. And it's because the daughter is like a, a tree in the forest and the mother comes at her with you know, a match and just ignites her constantly. So the mother for years had sent their housekeeper into her bedroom whenever the daughter was upset because she knew that the maid had a better ability to console the daughter. So these two people in the class are looking at each other and I'm telling them, look, it's like one of you is a giraffe and one of you is a mouse. Can you guys accept that you're different. And when you need to meet in the middle, realize you have to talk giraffe language or mouse language in order to communicate. The two of them at the end were hugging. They said when they first arrived, they didn't even want to go on this trip together because they don't communicate well together. But now that they understand that it's not personal, the mother needs to tone it down with the sparkiness. And she needs to understand that her daughter doesn't want to be fixed. She just wants her mother to hold space for her. And then the daughter needs to understand that the mother's natural tendency is to be sharp, direct, and it doesn't mean she doesn't love her. She's just, she didn't understand how to be anything but what she was designed to be. And that's why I call astrology the language of compassion, because once you understand your human design, your human wiring system, then you don't take everything so personally and you don't expect the world to be exactly like you. So that can be really helpful in business. Oh my God. And massive, massive. And in, in terms of HR and, and group bonding, I mean, that's phenomenally more powerful than Myers-Briggs. But the problem is, is that people don't know what astrology can do. They just think of it as horoscopes. But in fact, it's probably one of the most beneficial things for corporate America now than you could ever imagine. So what do you do if you don't know? For instance, I work with a lot of people, obviously, who are presenters and hosts, but also founders, people who are pitching for money, pitching themselves for projects all over the place. And so how does it help to understand how you are wired when you have no idea how the rest of the world is wired? So I'm the perfect example to explain this. Because my mercury and the way I communicate is very passive and very soft, it's not my natural thing to verbally fight for things that I should be fighting for. So I can be a little wimpy and I have to watch it because if I'm not careful, 
that little crab can end up, you know, on the barbecue. So I have to be careful that I don't allow the negative part of my Mercury sign to take over. So every single Mercury sign has a positive and a negative, and there's always going to be a deficiency. So I have to watch out. I wish sometimes that I was more like the mother that I just described, because when it comes to business, this woman is phenomenal. She's just killer sharp and exact and powerful, but she's not so good at what I'm good at, which is the comforting, soft, gentler side of things. And she'd be the first one to admit that she doesn't have that in her little toolbox. And I was not designed with that toolbox thing that she's got. So we can learn from each other. And that's where in the corporate world, it helps to know where everyone's strengths and weaknesses are. So you can build uh, your company and have it all being harmonious because you need all four types. You don't want everyone to be soft and gentle and empathetic. That's a nice thing, but you sometimes need people who are going to be kick-ass and get it verbally done or go after things that need to be um, better with boundaries, things like that. That's all a very much more fire thing. That's tremendous self-awareness. One, for the building a business and where you fit in. But two, it helps explain why someone could be so successful in professional relationships, but not in personal relationships and vice versa. It's like, why is everything flow when I'm at work and then I go home and it's all... Or on the other hand, it's like my life at home is great, but why am I not gaining any traction in my career? That's right. really interesting. Well, that's why the book, when I originally wrote it, I was going to call it the secret language of romance or the secret secret language of communication because we need to know the Mercury sign and the style that all the people in our life, what they have. So you're, we need to know what your boss has, your husband, your your wife, your children. Can you imagine being a parent and not understanding how to communicate with your child. Some families, it's really easy. If everyone's earth and water, think about how in nature the ocean comes to the shore and the lake is held by the earth. Those are very easy combinations. But when you start putting fire and water, they put each other out. Fire and earth is tricky. So it it helps to know because there's nothing wrong with any of these styles. It's when we try to make people the way we are, that we get into trouble and we all do it. Until I understood astrology, I couldn't understand why everybody wasn't just like me. And we all do that. It's just, we have no concept because we just live inside our own little unit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so let's get to it. Why is Mercury retrograde so misunderstood? I joke all the time that I live under my own Mercury retrograde cloud, which I know isn't true, but I tend to have some of my own technology issues or things go kaput. What's the deal? Why do we all walk around thinking it's a bad thing? And you're like, no, it's just part of the cycle. It's not a bad thing at all. So think about it as if you're driving a car and about three times a year for a couple of weeks, your car starts to go into reverse. Nobody likes it because when you need to get someplace, you don't like the slowdowns and you don't like the aggravation of being in reverse. But If we didn't have these periods, all we're doing is going 150 miles an hour all the time. That is not healthy. Speed is actually a symptom of immobility. So we don't want that. So these are periods when you're supposed to do all the words that start with RE. So reflect, review, reinvigorate, 
N-E-R-E words. And think about it when you're needing to parallel park or get your car out of the garage. You're like, thank God I've got a reverse gear. So don't look at it as negative. The other thing that's extremely important is that you need to know if you were born during Mercury retrograde. So only 20% of the population was born during Mercury retrograde. I'm one of those people, which means that I was born in reverse and 80% of the population is born going forward. So when Mercury goes retrograde, I'm in my element. This is the way you guys feel when it's direct. So if I was to live my life the way all these people get about how crazy Mercury retrograde is, I would never be able to go on a trip or sign a contract or do anything. So just have compassion for those of us who are Mercury retrograde babies, because we have to learn how to go with the flow either way, whether we're in reverse or going forward, because you have to go forward, even if you're in reverse. <laughs> so it's it's a... It's a quirky kind of thing to be born with, but some of the most original thinkers and inventors all were born with Mercury retrograde. So it's not a bad thing. Fantastic. Wait, so also explain to me, what does it mean? Speed is a form of immobility? Yes. Did you just say that? Okay. Yes. Because think about it. When you're going 150 miles an hour down the highway of life, are you noticing the snails and the ants or anything else that's on the side of the road? No. There are a lot of people like the elderly who have a ton of wisdom, but they move slowly and we tend to discard them as well. So there's a lot to be said for slow. There's a whole movement called the slow food movement. Have you heard about that? Mm -hmm. Right. So when I was um, in my early 30s, I used to do a lot of environmental research work with Earthwatch. They find volunteers to work on scientific research projects with scientists around the world. And I was in um, Mallorca, Spain. We were making part of the island into a bird sanctuary. And at first, I really didn't want to go on this because I thought, oh, I was more into like dolphins and elephants, big, faster things, right? So I get there and we're studying um, mushrooms and snails and all these little indicator species. And I'm like most people, those are the things we don't tend to gravitate to when we go to the zoo. But at the end of that trip, I was so blown away by the world of the miniature things that are happening. I, I found it just as interesting as, as dolphins, which I've also worked with in Hawaii. I think mushrooms and snails and frogs are super cool. The tinier, tinier we get, the more minute, the more intricate and the more kind of basic we can learn things from these kinds of moments rather than just always the big, the loud, the grandiose, the, the big, beautiful stuff. What I'm hearing now is the importance of observation and that these periods allow us to slow down and, as you just said, take notice, pay attention, observe, because so many of us in our contemporary culture, but especially in media and careers around this, we are deadline oriented. We're really caught up in the shoulds. You should be doing this. You should be doing that. You're not doing enough. Do more. Post here. Do this. I'm on a schedule. Just zooming along. And not only quality of life stuff, if I'm hearing Leslie, but also important signs and information we may not be observing because we're, we've got blinders on, we're too focused on one thing. And there's probably helpful information coming towards us that we're missing. 
you have no idea how important that statement is. And we don't have many tour guides that can educate us about this because it's in the downtime when you're allowed to hear a voice that's not your own. And that voice is usually the voice of immense creativity and incredible problem solving. When you only go at it full speed ahead and with just your adult logical mind, you don't tap into the wisdom of the child. And the child is more chaotic and the child is daydreaming and spontaneous and allows the world to surprise them. And we don't allow much of that. And uh, just that's why these creativity workshops that I've done in the corporate world and at these spas, I actually have invented all these exercises to help people remember what it felt like to have an original thought. That's a different thought than just thinking about problem solving. That's different. An original thought is one that makes you go, wow, where did that come from? I know. I want to ask you about that and how all of this intersects with creativity because it's one of your gifts. It's one of your passions. And as you just mentioned, it's something that you teach very effectively. So I think that astrology is like spin art. Do you remember when you were a kid, when you put that piece of paper in the little tub and the paper goes zipping around oh, and you I, throw I, paint on it? You remember that? I love spin art. Oh, and I have kids. And so I have second generation spin art art. Okay. So astrology is art. It's an art form. It, as I said, it's a, like a piece of music. So I'm playing with design and art, which is what I basically am. I'm an artist and a writer, and basically humans have a design to them. We have a pattern, just like everything in nature has a pattern. What makes us think we don't have a pattern, just like a snowflake has a pattern and a tree trunk has a pattern. So all of these things are all connected. And what I basically am, both as an artist, a creativity expert, or, or an astrologer is I am a pattern breaker. I'm trying to find the space between the logical thoughts. How do we do that? You have to take one of my classes. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one of these things you have to readjust your whole being to see the world in a completely new way. And Children are naturally good at it, although now children, because of the uh, technology, they're not as good at it as they used to be. And it's pretty rare to find adults who have not been corrupted and who still have that inner child wisdom inside of them. I, I know I still have it because I've worked really hard to save it. And I can remember times in my life when I was in my 20s or 30s where I could tell the adult part of me was starting to take over. And I said, oh, my God, we can't have this happen. I'll lose my ability to see the world. And I had to make a conscious choice. And I'll never forget once I was taking a walk with a friend of mine who was a well-known children's book illustrator. His name was Paul Galdone. And we were talking through the woods in Vermont. And I was thinking of getting a job that I really didn't want to take. My parents were hoping I would get into advertising. And I just didn't want to do it. I wanted to be an artist and a writer. And I wanted to be like my friend Paul. And we're walking down the in the woods and he stops. And he shows me a leaf where a caterpillar had chewed out a little hole. And he said, Leslie, see that? that that's really important because without that little caterpillar hole, it's not that interesting. Perfection is not that interesting. And so 
were walking and I thought, oh my God, I could have missed that. He, he's teaching me how to see. And I thought, oh, if I take that job, I won't be able to see the world the way Paul sees the world. And so I didn't take that job and ended up disappointing my parents and continuing to try to make a living selling t-shirts out of the back of my car at farmer's markets. So I, I just decided I, I couldn't do it. I want to stop and rewind for one second that perfection isn't interesting because in my field as a media coach and helping people communicate, people get really hung up on being perfect. The quest is to be perfect. And I always say, as you well know, perfect, you know, is, is the antithesis of successful. Perfect isn't why anybody shows up, but I love to bake that into people. Perfect isn't interesting. It's a false narrative. It's very shame-driven and conforming and unattainable. And, so and by the else- way, people can smell it. When you're trying to be perfect, it's a total turnoff. The other thing that I do, I don't mm-hmm. think I've talked with you much about Wait, talk that- to me about that. How, how is trying to be perfect a turnoff? That's interesting. Oh, it's a total turnoff because you're not authentic. You're not real. That, that's just not interesting. There's nothing in nature that is perfect. Everything, nothing is perfectly straight. There's always some kind of thing going on. Only mechanical things are perfect. So I work with wild horses in Utah and they've taught me so much about how important it is to be you. Because if you're not you, without opening your mouth, it has nothing to do with words. It has to be with your authentic, how do you carry yourself? What do you mm-hmm. sound like? The horses can spot it a mile away. And if you are if you walk into a corral with a bunch of wild horses and you're trying to be perfect because you want them to like you, it's completely the opposite. You're going to get the exact opposite result of what you want. And you have to be willing to be imperfect in order to be successful. And that's a hard thing to teach people. But once you get it, you realize that your imperfection is actually your biggest strength. And that's what my TED Talk is about, the importance of being wrong. I had to own that my goofy, backwards, everything, different kind of way of being was actually the best thing about me. And, and I didn't need to try to be like everyone else. But that takes a tremendous amount of courage because um, until you get a taste of the fact that that's actually where the magic is, it's hard to convince people. But whenever I teach at Rancho La Puerta, it drives some of the other presenters crazy because every time I go, I break attendance records and they can't figure out how I'm doing it. And all I'm doing, Barbara, is I'm just being me (laughs) because I'm so authentically me 24-7 and I don't have an agenda and I don't want, I'm not trying to get people to like me. I'm not trying to get people to sign up for my classes. This is a very unusual way of going about business, but I think it's the key to success for individuals and for companies too, because it's, it's just a turnoff when you try too hard. Well, I actually believe in that marketing theory, which is referred to as unmarketing and unselling. There are some wonderful books around that, but I also want to go back as you were talking about those beautiful wild horses in Utah, I was imagining walking into that corral is a lot like walking into an audition, a lot like walking into, um, you know, a room full of VCs and hoping for money. Uh, it's the it's same kind of like a job interview. It's the that same. It's exact same, and and we and we can smell the inauthenticity, or you could feel it. To me, part of it's the energetic perception. Yes, that is fantastic. So it's I'm a part great of, analogy. 
I'm part of the Nomadic School of Wonder, and we lead corporate groups out to meet wait, these Wait, wait, wait. What's that? Wait, what is that? Oh, Google it. Uh, my friend Barb Groth founded it. And I'm one of the founding members, the Nomadic School of Wonder. It's basically people like me t- taking people on tours into the world of enchantment and wonder. So we've led several groups um, over the years to meet the wild horses. We're going again in May and then in October. And it's the most profound and the the quickest way to get to this place that we're trying to talk about, because it's not something you can, it's, it's like music. You can't read a book and understand music. You have to play it. So you have to experience it in your body in order to get it. So when you're with the horses, when they ignore you, you have to question yourself, like, what am I giving off that they're picking up on that they don't want me? But if you can figure out how to be in your, it's like, it's almost like your spinal cord fluid. When you're in your spinal cord fluid and you're in your authentic self, the horses will come at you, like they'll all gather around you. And that's exactly what would happen if you're trying to raise money. Same thing. People will be blown away by the fact that you are genuinely you. I often use the example of um, Jesus and how if somebody had told him, well, you need a marketing plan because you obviously have followers, but you need to have more followers and you need to have email follow-ups and blah, blah, blah. All he did was he was authentically himself. He didn't try to get people to follow him. I don't even know to go after. Like we just had Bible study. Amazing. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a religious way, but I mean that oh, he, I get it. He, his spirit and what he did on this earth was like a supercharged kind of authentic being. And those types of beings are rare. I think Nelson Mandela was one of those types of beings. Um, I think that we've had them on our earth plane. And what I love about the horses is that they, this particular herd that we work with, they've been preserved by these two women and they've never been corrupted by humans ever. And most, there are a lot of people who do equine therapy with, and they do stuff with wild horses, but these horses are not uh, living in a barn. They're not with a saddle or a bit in their mouth. They're, they are an intact herd that have, has been completely preserved. And because they're wild, we as humans don't get to be around many wild things. Maybe you could go swim with wild dolphins or go to Africa and have an encounter with a wild gorilla. But where can you ever really be with something wild? But to be with something wild is another way of saying you are authentically yourself. So what the horses can teach is beyond belief impressive. And I'm so honored to be the one of the people who's very involved with bringing select groups of people to meet them. We are very careful about who goes there too, because we don't put pearls before swine, as they say. I think that's the expression. It's, this is not Disney World. That sounds beautiful. What I want to go back to, it, just because to point out for people listening, because it's often a cue, and I have to, and I work with people a lot around this, that being the best version of you and finding your path forward doesn't mean that everything is spontaneous and doesn't mean that ever that you that life is just about authentic quote unquote authentically throwing spaghetti at the wall. It's understanding it's like using your natal chart or whatever to understand who you really are and understanding what your purpose is and why you're doing what you're doing so you don't have to get caught up in the shoulds and the email marketing and if that's not the right way to actually share what your message is. Right, exactly. So 
another way of explaining it is that a lot of people want to go A, B, C, D, E, F, G to get to where they want to go. What I'm suggesting is being open to going A, F, Q, Z, W and being okay with that. Scary. It's not logical. It can feel chaotic. But if you're really authentically in the moment, then it's life is going to take you places you didn't think you were going to go. And some things are not going to work out the way you thought they were going to work out. And how do you, how do you constantly pivot and move and adjust? Um, it's not always about just being in your head trying to figure it out all the time. I think we forget that we are animals. And the more we can connect with our animal self, I think the more successful we can be. And I think that's one thing that COVID brought about is this realization that humans are, are meant to be with each other. We need socialization. That's We're designed for that, just like the horses. They're not meant to be solitary. They're meant to be in a herd. Going back to Mercury retrograde work for one second, are you someone who believes or doesn't believe that one should sign a contract during Mercury retrograde? I think you can do whatever the heck you want to do. But first, you need to know if you were born during Mercury retrograde. You can find that in my book. Um, but you can always do anything you want in, at any time of the year as long as you're careful. So during Mercury retrograde, for someone like you, Barbara, who's not born during Mercury retrograde, it just means you have to review it, that R-E word again, review it more carefully. And for me, because I was born during Mercury retrograde, I can take probably a little more chances when it's retrograde because that's my good time. What do you see moving forward? I know that you're not a predictor, so I didn't mean it that way. But since you did say that you had predicted the pandemic and sidebar for anyone who wants to follow you, you did amazing predictions around the election and following those discussions that you had. Um, I guess they were via Zoom calls that I subscribed. Those those were fascinating. And everything that was discussed in those calls happened exactly as you said. And this becomes a sidebar. It's like stacking people's birth charts on top of each other. Oh, it was amazing. Okay. So with all that um, rambling introduction, what, what do you see moving forward? So I will tell you that um, by the summer, by August, Things look a little calmer. I think people are extremely stressed out over what we've just gone through and all these shootings and uh, just the, there's a lot of heavy stuff happening at the moment. And we are in a great point of inflection where we're trying to figure out who we are as a, a country and as a, a planet. And we have some major, major decisions to make. And I believe we have come from living in what I call a horizontal platform, which was before COVID. We were just doing our thing and thinking this was just the way life was going to be. And then all of a sudden, overnight, we're locked down. We are um, unable to get toilet paper. We're not able to go to a restaurant. We have to wear masks. All of a sudden, we had to do a giant shift. And we had to shift into a more vertical axis, which is more realizing that we are not alone. We are connected to this entire planet. This virus was not an American thing. It hit every place on the globe. We have to live more connected to the earth and more connected to the cosmos. And we have been aware of our connection to the earth. 
but we spend very little time and very few people are talking about the influence of those planets that they have on us. And it's time that we start recognizing that our cosmic system is connected to our earthly system. So it's both terrestrial and um, what's the word? Celestial up there. So we have to, we have to work with both because those planets, just think about the moon. The moon is a rock in space and it regulates every body of water on this earth. The tides go up and down. We are 70, 80% water. There's an influence. It doesn't mean the, the moon makes us crazy, but even our language, the word lunatic comes from the word lunar. We have a connection to as above, so below. And they've done studies on Jupiter and the other planets where you can literally, um, they've taken machines and they've registered the electromagnetic frequencies that come off those planets. So we are getting hit with basically um, electromagnetic energy that comes from these rocks in space. Think about it, Barbara. They are always in the same place, on the same path, I mean. They're always going the same speed. There's a perfection in this crazy design of what's happening out there. And for us to think that we are not influenced by all of that is crazy. And I think that astrology is coming into a, a brand new way of looking at life on this earth and how it can help us so much. It's probably one of the most beautiful God things there is. And yet people think that astrology is like so anti-Christian. It's not at all. It's probably one of the most beautiful things ever created because it explains how we were designed. And, and it also tells us about the patterns of weather that we've got. That's how I was able to understand that the virus was coming because I could see the weather coming because that's what I'm looking at are these patterns. Wait, weren't the three wise men astrologers? Yes. The word magi means astrologer. So yeah, people don't, don't think about that, but it's true. And it used to be that astrologers were right below the Kings. They were considered the wise men. Well, like the, the ones who follow the star of David to find baby Jesus. Like this is very old, old, ancient wisdom. And it's time that we get back to ancient wisdom, not just always technology. Technology is great, but too much of that. And then we lose connection with these slower things, these more esoteric things that have been around for thousands of years and that can explain a lot of what's going on right now. And think of how useful this is for children too, just to understand your child's wiring system. I mean, it's profoundly important to help people have an easier life so that we're not struggling all the time. How does this connect to uh, medicine? So when a doctor is working with a patient, they are looking at the body, okay? When I'm looking at an astrology chart with a doctor, I'm looking at that person's soul, their entire history, and I'm looking at where I'm an expert in trauma, and a lot of times people don't understand why they are the way they are. So for example, yesterday I had an incredibly profound, just a 30-minute session with a guy who was 70 years old, who I saw in his chart massive amounts of trauma. And I said, I hope you were not sexually abused, but I, I said, you've got it 
left, right, center, all over this chart. And I said, I just want to have compassion for you because I said, it's not your fault. Your soul came in wanting to experience this kind of trauma. But the problem is, is that we're not supposed to be looping in the trauma zone. We're supposed to figure out the root cause of the trauma and get it done so that the body can heal. This man, he, uh, when he was uh, five, he had his nose taken off his face and they had to stick it back on and had plastic surgery. So it was teased all the time. And then when he was 18, his parents got divorced. His brother uh, was abusive. He was in a car accident driving when his fiance got killed. This man had a light, one thing after the other, after the other of tragedy. Doctors have not been able to help him. Because they're not understanding that the reason this man keeps breaking bones and having health issues over and over again is that nobody helped him heal from the PTSD he had from age five, which I knew something had happened in the first five minutes of talking to him. So what, what I'm doing with doctors now is, doc, actually, doctors are coming to me. I don't go looking for them. They're finding me because word's getting out about how accurate I am with understanding the human wiring system of people. So what doctors do is they send me um, the name, not the name. I don't know the name of their patients. I just know their birth date, time, and place. And I call them patient number one, two, three, four, five, whatever. And I have them call my free conference line number, do their recording. I just call them patient one. I don't know their name. The doctors need to know that I'm not Googling them, that I'm not researching their backgrounds and then they're recorded and sent to the doctors who are now able to see the bigger picture of what's going on with, with people. So one of the patients that was sent to me, this woman was sick for six years with chronic, horrible pain. And the doctor called me and said, Leslie, I cannot figure out how to help her. We cannot figure out anything. I knew exactly what was the matter with her in an hour diagnosed her. I don't usually diagnose people, but I, I knew exactly what was going on with her and why she wasn't getting better. And this woman now is one of my biggest fans, and she's now doing documentary films about alternative methods of healing. And the doctor said, look, you know, you changed her life. And he, he said, I couldn't see what you see. So a lot of neurologists are particularly interested in what I'm doing because they're understanding that astrology is like a bridge and another additional piece of information that doctors really need in order to treat the whole system. Because if you just keep treating the broken bones and whatever, if you're not seeing, oh my God, if you look at the pattern of that man I just told you about, it's like it's constant. And there's a reason why it keeps happening. And, and we tend to repeat trauma until we get the, we break that cycle. Mm. Leslie, this has been incredible. Where can people find you? They can go to my website, lesliemcgork.com. And right now I've got a pretty long waiting list for readings, but I do have webinars where I'm, my obsession now is I want to teach people how to do what I do. I can get people up and running with reading a chart in eight hours of instruction. And I'm not saying you're going to be a master astrologer, but you'll know enough to look up a boyfriend or girlfriend or your children and You'll have that tool for life. And um, if anyone's interested in the wild horses or uh, getting me into their corporate um, world and helping with groups and helping groups work together better. And also, I, I can't imagine hiring people without looking at their astrology chart. It's very important to know 
what you're getting. I mean, think about that investment, you know. I was also going to let people know that if you're interested in The Power of Mercury, there's your book. And there's also Making the Most of Mercury Retrograde, which is a free download on your website at lesliemcwork.com. Yes, exactly. And also people should sign up for my mailing list because I'm always coming out with new things. I'm trying to work on an app right now and a few other big projects. So there's always something in the work. But but my mission is for sure to try to educate people that there is something to astrology that most people don't know about. And it's extremely useful. Mm. For resources from this episode and others, always go to my website at ableintermedia.com and look them up under the podcast page. And thanks for listening. Be sure to hit the subscribe button and we'll see you very soon. Mm-hmm.